Good morning, everybody. It's Baptism Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, I, I wanted to share with you that uh, Pastor Rick and I uh, had the privilege to go up north to Calvary Chapel, San Jose. And we were there at the courthouse uh, for the ruling um, for our brother up there and, and our sister church. They're facing $1.7 million in fines assessed by the county of Santa Clara. Unbelievable. $25,000 on fines on Mike himself and $22,000 on his youth pastor. And uh, they went before the judge. They had their hearing. It was the closing arguments. And um, the judge and, and, and pastors drove from all over the state to come and encourage, and so did congregants. A number of folks from our church drove all the way up. It's like a five and a half hour trip and pouring rain. It was like a, a gnome on the hood of our car with a garden hose. Just <laughs> um, and it was, you know, 11 hour round trip. We were exhausted. And, and the whole time we were there, it was pouring rain and people gathered. And it was supposed to end at 2.30 and then 3.30 came, 4.30, and they finally came out of deliberation. And the judge basically said, we'll remove the fines from you, Mike, and we'll re remove the fines from your assistant pastor. And we'll take away, take, take away 11 weeks of fines to reduce it substantially on one condition that you close your church. So basically nothing's changed. And, uh, and Mike is probably the only pastor in that area that's standing. And the tragedy is that granted a number of pastors in the community came to support, drove from Northern California, Central California, even, even Southern California. A number of believers came. But in that area, they're not standing together. And as a matter of fact, most of the churches that were startups uh, that were in great support there locally don't have a building, they've lost theirs, and Mike is housing their churches in his building. And the greatest travesty is uh, they have a $2 million note on their property. It's put together by an organization called Cass Commercial Bank. And they purport themselves to be Christian lenders. And uh, they called the note. Yeah, oh. And Pastor Rick, um, he's, we kind of played good cop, bad cop on the live stream the other night. Pastor Rick, he's got such a tender heart and he's sweet and he never gives up on folks. He's like a Barnabas. I'm more like a Paul, you know, dealing with John Mark. Barnabas is like, no, we got to bring him along. Paul's like, kill him. Um, <laughs> read the story. You'll see what I'm talking about. But um, uh, Rick was... He's endeavoring to try to see Castbank come around, and I appreciate that about him. But honestly, and, and, I, and I know Pastor Rick doesn't stand in opposition to my view, but honestly, I, I look at Castbank in the middle of, of this struggle, and God is really testing his church. And if they're going to walk away in the middle of a fight, then take off your word Christian, because I'm, I'm a little tired of that. And I'm done doing business with them, and we're sending it out across the country. Don't do business with Castbank. And Cass Bank, if you pick up this live stream, which I don't know why you would, but if you hear from us, first of all, Pastor Rick stands in your defense, and I'm willing to yield to Pastor Rick's um, wanting to try to get you guys to come around. If you're willing to come around, then do it now. Do it now and quit lollygagging and stand with the rest of Christendom. And, and if you don't, it's going to get worse for you. You're, you're, you have an obligation to your donors or to, to those that are part of your company uh, if you want to profit from the body of Christ and you're not going to stand with the body of Christ, see you later. So make up your mind. Uh, so, and then w one other thing I want to do, and then we'll, we'll get into the message. Um, since it is Baptism Sunday, I, I, uh, Pastor Rick and I, as we co-pastor the church together, and I have to tell you, there is no way that we could have experienced, what, 300, 400% growth in five, six months and, and any of us survive. And I was so grateful that at the proper season, God brought Pastor Rick in. And, and, and we, yeah, it's been a total blessing. And when we, when we talked about doing baptisms on a Sunday morning, we did one last quarter and two or three months ago, we had 90, almost 90 people baptized. And I did the baptisms because I've been laboring at this church for 20 years. And when I say laboring, it's joyful. It's like, you know, just, it's, it, I did, the word's probably not acceptable. It, you know what I mean. It's been work, but a joyful work. And, and folks wanted me to baptize them. I, I understand that. You know, I, I've invested in your life. You've invested in mine, and it's a joy to, 
to, to experience this together. And so Pastor Rick did the message and I did the baptisms. Well, this time around, I, I, I'm, I have to just tell you, um, that man has left everything to come and be with us, he and his wife. And he is a part of this fellowship and I want him to do the baptisms. And, and if some of you are going, oh, I wanted Rob to do it. You know, my feeling on that one is, you get to be on the tip of the spear of welcoming this pastor into the fold and saying, I love you, I'm thankful for you being here, and you're today gonna support him by that acknowledgement to allow him to baptize you. So thank you for doing that, and God bless you. Clap for that one, because that's good. And the other reason why they don't want me to do baptisms is I, co- I hold people under too long. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Let's get technical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm wearing this. This is Proclaim. It's uh, Erica Franz Bay. Uh, she's Charlie Kirk's fiance. This is her clothing line. I love this sweatshirt, Proclaim Jesus. It's so cool. You should, uh, I'm, I'm sporting it. <laughs> My wife said I look good. I don't care what you think. She thinks I look good. You guys are like, it looks like a skin on a sausage. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Stop it. All right. So um, I'm going to transition into the message with this thought. Mike McClure is younger than both Rick and I. And um, he came out after the hearing. And he's, his oratory skills are not like mine or Rick's. He's... He's very thoughtful in the words he uses. He's, he speaks slower but deliberate. And, and that's not my style. And quite candidly, I, I can't sit in teaching like that because I do not pay attention well. I'm like, oh, rabbit, you know. I... <laughs> but when he speaks, it's profound. And he came out, and he's got seven kids. And though he's younger than us, he has aged. He looks like Moses. He's got a beard. He's gray. <laughs> kids do that to you? And, uh, and he comes out, and I'm watching this man speak, and he's laying out the, the judge's order. And his attorney speaks, and Bob Tyler's there, and I'm next to him under the tent, and Bob declares what the judge had said, and Mike begins to speak. And Mike is unwavering. And, and Bob Tyler, bless his heart, as our counsel, Bob Tyler says, it's hard to be your attorney because you guys are prone to break the law. It's hard to represent you. And I go, you know, Bob, you signed up for this. And so when he laid out what the judge had recommended and then Mike came up to speak, I looked over at Bob Tyler and I winked at him and he winked back at me, which is Mike's not budging. Bob knows it. I know it. Mike knows it. And as I listened to Mike speak, He's up in probably one of the most liberal enclaves in California, which is the epicenter of what we're experiencing out here. And they're coming after him, and they're taking everything he has. And he has, he has a, a spine of steel. And I looked at him, and I felt humbled, proud, grateful, a swirl of emotions looking at this man. And I was angered also because I wondered, where are the rest of the shepherds? And none of those things move him. None of them. And I was driving back with uh, Bob Sitcher and, and Rick as we had gone there together. And the drive back, still raining, it's dark. And we're both, all, all three of us are tired. And I'm reflecting on Mike McClure. And I'm thinking, what a giant of a man. I'm proud to be in the company of a giant like that. And then my wife and I don't often get time to spend together because we're all busy and a lot of folks in the congregation, we'd love to get to know you, have a meal with you. I would love to also. I'd love to have a meal with my wife, quite honestly. But I've had a chance to connect with some folks where people want to go and get a meal and I I love that idea. Trust me, I, I can't think of anything I'd rather do. But in this season, it's not really affording itself that we can have that kind of fellowship, which breaks my heart because that's what I really enjoy. But... I have been pressured lovingly by the Bondarenko family, and you heard uh, Pastor Joseph Bondarenko share here. It's one of the most watched live streams we have. 
He is the Ukrainian pastor that emigrated to the United States and he had been arrested by the KGB. He spent 23 hours a day in solitary confinement preaching the gospel, unwavering, one of the bravest human beings I've ever met. I got to know not only him and his wife Mary, but I got to know their entire family and all of them suffered under communism in the Ukraine and then their, their kids and their grandkids. And then my son is smitten with uh, one of the granddaughters and so now you know we're kind of close to being family here. <laughs> and so they invited us to dinner and I think it was negotiation, but I, I uh, just... <laughs> And they didn't want just us, they wanted our whole family, which that is a logistical nightmare for us. And not just, you know, like a drive here in T.O., they live in Santa Barbara. And I, I could never put it together, and finally they found my weak spot, they went around, found Michelle, and got her to agree. And so we set it for yesterday, and we all descended, and we, you know, had to bring the planes landing at LAX, and all the family came up, and we got them there, we were a little late, but we got everybody there. Now, of course, Natasha couldn't make it because she's in Lynchburg, Virginia, and Michael and his girlfriend, uh, Elizabeth Kravchek, who is a granddaughter of the Bondarenkos, uh, she, they couldn't make it because they both had the flu. So we were all at the house, and this table, the family's enormous, and the table uh, goes from Santa Barbara to Carpinteria. Um, <laughs> and the food was delightful, and, and you know... Um, and we sat down, and I'm sitting next to Joseph Bondarenko, and he's speaking uh, through his, his son or son-in-law interpreting, and, um, and I, I just, I come to love him even more. And this is a man who they told him he would never see the light of day, that, that the Soviets were greater than his machinations of a god, and that his family would be devastated and all be dead, and you're wasting your time. And of course, when Mary came during that service and she spoke, Joseph's wife, and she said, my greatest fear was that my children would grow up to resent God because we were always under persecution. My heart broke in that service. And then Joseph commented that not only did my captors come to Christ after the Soviet Union fell and I had a chance to baptize them, but my family all walks with the Lord. And then the entire family came up on this stage and they began to sing in the Ukrainian language, which a Russian said would never be spoken again. And they began to sing praise music, all of them together serving God. And that proves that God is preeminent and governments do not stand in opposition to God. He has the final say and he always wins, period. I'm realizing I'm gonna to have to be doing this service and I'm supposed to be the one preaching. So uh, I'm at the dinner, I don't have time to really prepare and it's been a busy week. And then Mary Bondarenko says, I want everyone to watch a video. So we all move from the table into the living room, we sit down and they bring out a VHS cassette. And I'm thinking, are there still, is there equipment still to run that? I don't, you know. And she puts it in and it's a baptismal service. When they were, uh, being sought by the KGB, and um, they did a public profession of faith by baptism. And they did it in the winter with KGB officers witnessing what they were doing. And they had to do it in the winter and say so they broke the ice in the river. And, and we're following that. We put a bunch of ice in. We're going <laughs> to take care of you. We want to really, no, I'm kidding. It's heated. Relax. And Joseph is the first to get in, and, and these, these folks who've given their heart to the Lord in adverse conditions begin to publicly profess faith in Christ to declare that he's preeminent over the Soviet Union and over all the KGB agents, and nothing matters more to me than my, my uh, dedication and commitment to Christ. Nothing else matters. He's preeminent. He's above all. He's not just prominent. He's preeminent. And, and they begin to baptize, and as each of these folks are getting out, as I'm watching the videotape, Mary is speaking through an interpreter, one of her children, and saying, that young man who's getting out of the water went on to, is now overseeing a ministry in this region of the world, and that young lady is overseeing a and all of them are serving in terrible, difficult regions of the world with reckless and uh, abandon and fearlessness. And I thought, wow. I get in the car, we're driving back, and I'm thinking about the message and then we, we, we're tired and I, I'm gonna get up early to do the study and then Michelle says, do you have a message? And I said, I don't, but there's two words that God's, God keeps cycling in my mind and I can't get them out. 
And I don't know how they got there, but there are these two words, preeminent and prominent, preeminent and prominent. And I, and I, I, I look at this, and as the Bondarenkos were speaking about their concern over America and the decline and what we've embraced and who's been elected and what's happening to our religious freedoms, because they witnessed that in the Ukraine and they see it coming and they're trying to awaken America. And I just looked at them and I said, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution are sacred documents. And America is not an ethnicity, it's an idea. And that idea will never perish from the face of the earth as long as there's men and women who love liberty and are willing to stand no matter what the cost and declare God to be preeminent and that rights come from him and not from man. There will always be hope on the earth. There will always be hope on the earth. There will always be a place of refuge as long as there are men and women who have a spine like a Mike McClure or Joseph Bondarenko who will not be moved and declare Christ preeminent even if the KGB officers are sitting on the bridge taking your name and preparing to put you in prison. No one is greater than God and no one can tell me otherwise, period. This, this will always exist. And as I awoke this morning mulling over the word prominent and preeminent, I looked it up. Preeminent means more important or powerful than all others. And as I heard that last song that was written by Sean Foyt and talking about this idea that all governments will fall and his understanding that Christ is preeminent, that God is preeminent, there's no kingdom, the, the governments are upon his shoulders. Nothing can stand in the way of what it is he seeks to accomplish. And then I thought prominent, very well known and important. And it hit me. It was like a bat to the side of the head. This is a season where the church in America is having to decide whether they see Christ as prominent or preeminent. You're going to compromise everything you can and yield to tyranny in order to somehow make Christ relevant to a culture that is falling into slavery and depression by making Jesus prominent in a class of religious leaders, that you're, you're contending on Mars Hill in some capacity, that you're trying to make him more palatable to the, to the nation itself, that you're, you're trying to make him relevant. He doesn't need your help. The church doesn't need to make Christ prominent. They need to recognize that he is preeminent and no tyranny will ever stand in the way of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords ever. There's none greater. And the preeminence of this and the reason why I bring it up is because men like Mike McClure and Joseph Bondarenko and Mary Bondarenko and these Spines of steel believers recognize the critical component that when Christ is preeminent, your fear dissipates and there's nothing mankind can do to you. Nothing. You're no longer afraid. There's nothing they can take from you. Christ is preeminent. He's everything. The rest is chaff that the wind blows away and ends up in the ash heap of history for those who tried to keep contend with the preeminent God, nations will fall. Those who come today to be baptized are declaring to all present in a public profession of faith over a live stream that will be watched by supervisors and governors and health officers and everyone else who wants to somehow place tyranny over the masses and how dare you would stand and declare Christ to be preeminent and greater than the government that enforces and uses the law and weaponizes it against it's people. And you stand and say, I'm not afraid of you. Christ is preeminent. I'm not worried about what people will think when I am immersed in a pool of water. That they would laugh at me or mock me. It doesn't matter. Christ is preeminent. I am publicly professing and associating myself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And everything else in life, I'm dead to myself and alive to Christ. I'm not afraid of you and there's no weapon fashioned against me that will stand. And I'll tell you what, any fear that I ever had of losing anything I ever thought I owned is gone because now I want the world to know that Jesus Christ is preeminent and everything is chaff. Everything else is chaff that the wind blows away.
that's why they're here today. That's a profound public statement. And your role is to encourage them. You can either be the Mike McClure's or the pastor that drove down from Washington or the pastors that drove up from Southern California or those who came in from the San Joaquin Valley to support a pastor who would stand. Or you can be Cass Bank. And you can try to maintain your prominence in your community by disavowing any association with these crazy Christians who have been labeled as super spreaders. Or you can stand and declare that those who are professing Christ is preeminent, that there's no government that will ever take away our ability to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's your choice, but you're here. And when they make a public profession of faith, we, like the ones that gathered on the steps of the courthouse, cheered when he came out, you will have the privilege to do the same today as these men and women make a public profession of faith in Christ, declaring him to be preeminent and Lord of all. That's your gift. That's your blessing. A couple of you are excited about that. <laughs> and I'll conclude by sharing my favorite verse on baptism. And this is a one that is a tough one. Mark was of the four gospels. He's the Reader's Digest version. Everything with him is quick and succinct. And that's why I love it. It's like, let's get this done. Boom. He said in verse one, and by the way, you can, I'm sorry, folks, just hang on to him because I'm going to have the verses up top. Thank you. I did it last service. I had you pass them out. And I'm taking up time from Rick, and I just got to do this, because there's so many of you getting baptized. We did almost 30 last service. That's really exciting. Mark chapter 1, it says that John baptized Jesus, but it says it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. It was an adult baptism. He didn't get baptized as an infant. I do not reject the denominations and the believers in Christendom that look at infant baptism. I understand it. I don't subscribe to it, but it's, it's not a deal breaker. They're my brothers and sisters. Mark chapter 1 continues by saying, and immediately coming up from the water... Jesus saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. It wasn't a dove, but it was like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He had never performed a miracle. He hadn't walked on water. He didn't turn the water into wine. He hadn't done anything. And then there you see the presence of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending upon him, and the Father saying, this is my son. I love him. I, I, I am well pleased. Not just pleased, I'm well pleased. Why is he well-pleased? I'll tell you the reason why. He's well-pleased with his son because of the same reason he's well-pleased with those being baptized today. It's called obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And you're putting it all on the line to say, God is preeminent in my life, and I don't care what people think. I want the world to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the, son descends, or the Spirit descends upon the Son, and the Father speaks. And then it says... Immediately, the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. The Spirit drove him. The word drove is the same one when Jesus went into the temple with the whip, and he drove all the money changers out. It's the same one where it says it drives out demons. It's this idea of, get out! And the Spirit descends on the Lord as a dove in baptism, and then he drives him into the wilderness. And what does he do in the wilderness? He's without food for 40 days. Without water, 40 days. The scripture says he was hungry. No, duh. But the, the reality is after three days, you lose your hunger. I've, I've fasted for, um, I think, 15 days is my maximum. Water only. And after three days, you lose your hunger. And, and they say uh, physiologically that the hunger doesn't come back until your body is at a critical condition where you see these children in Africa with the bloated bellies because the body without food begins to consume itself and it does irreparable damage. Before it gets to that place, the body hits a switch and says, find food, you've got a limited amount of time before it's going to kill you and it's gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna end up consuming ourselves. And so when the scripture says he was hungry, he was dying, it was then at that moment that Satan comes to him and tempts him with, turn the stones into bread and, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and he tempts him in every way. And every time Jesus was tempted, he responded by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. He never used his God powers to overcome any of the temptations. He just used the word of God. He never did anything. He never used his deity to overcome his humanity because he wanted you to know you can overcome it the same way. No temptation has seized you, but that which is common to man, when you're being tempted, God will give you a way out. But once you make a public profession of faith, once you declare Christ to be preeminent, I want to prepare you.
you now have a target. They're going to go after you at the courthouse. They're going to come after you at the supervisories. They're going to put fines upon you. They're going to target you. And in a world that is increasingly growing darker and wants to enslave humanity, they're going to look at you and say, how dare you stand? Who do you think you are? And you stand with strength, knowing no weapon fashioned against you will prevail. And you say, Christ is preeminent. I already died. There's nothing you can take from me that I haven't already surrendered to the Lord. Do your best. I'm no longer afraid of you. Now have your way. And they're going to throw every weapon at you. And the more they throw at you, the more you realize you are powerless. And then courage comes and strength. And you're immovable because you are a child of the king. The king who is preeminent. The one who rules and reigns. You will go from the cool waters of, Bap- of, of the Jordan in this baptism. You'll go into a barren wilderness. You'll be tested. You'll go from huge crowds as they cheer for you today into solitude and silence as your life will be tested. Just like with Jesus when the spirit rested on him like a dove, now that same spirit will drive you into the wilderness. He, he will allow you, this is my child, nothing will move my child. Satan says, let me have a crack at it. He does, and then Satan realizes, I'm gonna leave this one alone for a season. This one's immovable. You'll go from the voice of the father saying that you are the, his beloved child, and then you'll hear the hiss of the, of the tempter, Satan. You'll go from being anointed to being attacked. You'll go from the water of baptism into the fire of temptation. First, the heavens will open for you, and then hell will unleash. And you say, well, I'm not gonna get baptized today. <laughs> I understand that. I do. So does Joseph and Mary and Mike. We get it. You can go back to being a slave. You can walk away because his words are too hard. You can make Jesus prominent and still survive for a season. But if you come today, knowing what awaits you, there's only one place for Jesus in your life, and that means that he must be preeminent. And trust me when I say this, there isn't a freer human being in this room than me, because I have already given it all away. There's such peace no matter what I face. And I'm not saying that in pride. I didn't have a lot to give away to begin with. But I did look at it and I just realized it doesn't matter anymore. I don't care what fines they level. I don't care if they take buildings. I don't care if they take my house. I have agreed with my family, my spouse, my family, my, my congregation. And you know what? All of us are in unity to declare that Christ is preeminent and none of those things matter anymore. There's nothing they can do to me. Yes, you may be concerned about all the things that were leveled there and laid out there, but I have news for you. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And if he is in you and he is preeminent in your life, you are coming forward to exchange your fear for a faith that will never waver. And we are with you. Amen? I struggle when people say, make Jesus Lord of your life. I had the privilege to have lunch with Pastor John MacArthur, have lunch. I saw him at Diamore's. He was with his wife, and I introduced myself, and that guy's cool. And he knew who I was, and we had a chance to connect, and it was, it was wonderful to have our hearts knitted. And I love what he said, because I struggle when people say, make Jesus Lord of your life. I mean, as though somehow you have this ability. Remember this, the biblical mandate for both sinners and saints is not to make Christ Lord, but rather to bow to his lordship. He is ever and always Lord, whether or not anyone acknowledges his lordship or surrenders to his authority. He will always be, whether you recognize it or not, he will always be preeminent. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is preeminent. Today you're coming to declare that. Good for you. Because in that you will exchange your fear of man, which is a snare, for faith in a preeminent God that will give you strength, that will allow you to stand no matter what struggle you face. 
And everything listed in the passage that I just read is nothing compared to the glory and the joy of serving this God. Baptism is a declaration to the world that Jesus Christ is preeminent in your life. And today you're going to do that. And today together we will stand with you. And when those seasons come, we may not be there. Sometimes it's lonely. But know this. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And this journey will be one you will never forget and never regret for the rest of your life. If that's you and you're ready for that, then come. Because today, you will declare Jesus as preeminent. Pastor Rick, come on up. Let's get these folks dunked. The water represents the grave. You are associating yourself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Jesus Christ is your Savior. He's preeminent in your life. You're coming to tell the world you're a follower of the Lord, that you have been saved by grace through faith. His blood has covered you and cleansed you of all unrighteousness. He died on the cross for you, and now you are going to live for him, and nothing else matters. The world behind me, the cross before me, I give everything to the Lord, and today the world will know that. Father, we thank you for those who are going to profess this declaration of preeminence and that they are telling the world that they're a follower of Jesus Christ. They want the world to know it no matter what the cost is because they've already given it all away. Bless them, fill them with your spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on them. Father, we know that in them you are well pleased. And no matter what comes, we know that those temptations have already been beaten by the big stick of Calvary and Satan is toothless. And when you stand in the den of lions, they will lose their taste for human flesh and they will be toothless. They will roar, but we are no longer afraid. Bless them, Lord, encourage them, and we thank you for their faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. over to this ramp and uh, we'll dunk ya.
in my way Cause you're the time and where my feet Yes you are So I would praise you in the valleys all the same You know less God within the shadows You know less faithful when the night leads me astray Cause you're the heaven where my heart is
Congratulations to all of you. We are so proud of you. We stand with you. We love you. But more importantly, Jesus Christ is preeminent. Amen? Father, we thank you for those who have made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ to declare he's not prominent. He's preeminent. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they have exchanged fear for faith. There's no weapon fashioned against us that will stand. And Lord, we have given you everything and our desire is to live for you. You are Lord. And we recognize that today and we honor you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close and worship the Lord. God bless you all.